Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money podcast. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, Martin Palomo of Pinnacle Trust, as always, joins us. And Reed Davis, the Chief Investment Officer of Pinnacle Trust, will join us as well. It is a podcast that is brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. We'll talk about Pinnacle Trust, and we'll talk to Martin and Reed in just a moment. Let me first tell you that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. The phone number is 662-257-1900. It's a real simple deal. You call Corey Clark. You say, I need a quote on a Ford product. He'll send you one within 15 minutes in business hours. And it's up to you from that point. You can let that be the end of it. You can use that as a shopping tool moving forward. Corey's cool with that. Or you can do what I've done, which is become intrigued, get more information on that Ford. And before you know it, you're in that Ford. And what happens is you enjoy your product and you absolutely love the service after the sale. Corey will take great care of you. He uh, wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He wants that to be a long-term relationship. He'll prove to you what that means once you make that first call, 662-257-1900. Martin, how are you? Man, I'm doing pretty good, Neil. How about yourself? Uh, I'm I'm doing well. It is a cold as we tape this Tuesday. I'm full. I'm staring at my phone. I keep waiting to get the text from the Oxford School District that hey, come get the kids um, because it's have, it's. Do you guys have? Do you guys have ice up there, or, uh, or is it? No, not yet. There is the threat. Okay. There is the threat of some ice. There is a little snow flying around in the air right now. Nice. It's. Uh, I don't think it's cold enough right now let's see we'll do the i love to do this on my other podcast because people get mad at me uh let's see hey siri what's the temperature outside it's 34 degrees outside it's 34 degrees outside the high is 36 there is a uh, 90 percent chance of snow but the the temperature is not dropping until to 32 until 6 p.m. So maybe they'll uh, keep keep them at school for the day. So anyway, that's what. So, I'm yeah, dude, it's 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 funny though. So the weather here is it's cold. It's going to be raining all day. And Christopher has a high school soccer game tonight, starting at seven. That's when we have a 95 percent chance of rain. And the temperature outside will be 40 degrees. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yeah, Carson's got one tonight too, and I'm I'm doing the rain out dance. Uh, Nice. Yeah, it's nice. Soccer games get rained out. Uh, if the temperatures are under thirty-two, because they don't want the teams to travel on buses and then have to try to get back on bad roads. Otherwise, they yeah. play the game. As long as there's no lightning. I mean, so I refereed. I probably shouldn't say that because people are going to beat me up. I officiated a game um, on a field that was just it was it was a tr- it was a wreck. I mean, the water had sogged. The f- it was a natural turf field. Uh, it was just super super muddy, and we still played. I mean. I almost slipped a couple times in the center, and <laughs> I'm sure people would have laughed at me, the referee going down. I and, certainly would have fun yeah. there, yeah. It was a lot of fun there. 
So before we get started on today's uh, content, uh, Martin, tell tell the people about Pinnacle Trust and then tell the people about Reed Davis. Awesome. Yeah, no, so, um, you know, Pinnacle uh, is a wealth management firm. It's based in Mississippi. You know, I guess one of the things I've kind of failed to mention um, is that we, do, we have clients kind of scattered all over the southern, southeastern, and a little up the east coast um, you know, part of the U S and it just made me think of that. Cause I've, I've got to go to Knoxville and then Raleigh next week, um, for, um, for meetings at the end of the week. But, uh, but we are mostly working with folks in Mississippi, uh, and in the Southeast and we're trying to help families, um, you know, figure out the roadmap to retirement. Um, you know, and a lot of people, kind of arrive in, in different ways, you know, and as, as I've said before, you know, some people, you know, work hard and do a really good job of saving um, their money for retirement and, you know, and that's what they, they have to live off of and we help folks figure out strategies for, you know, how much to save, what makes sense. Do you, you guys probably, and, I, and this will be a rhetorical, I don't expect you to answer, Neil, but there was, a, <clears throat> there was commercials a couple of years ago, I think it was ING, that was the what's your number? Um, commercial is meaning like how much did you need to have saved for retirement? And that's kind of really what we help folks figure out is, you know, what that number is, what is a comfortable amount and then how to get there. <clears throat> and then once they have it and they've either gotten it through saving, um, you know, they've sold a business and income into uh, cash and, and then some folks, you know, inherit it or get it through, you know, a divorce. And, um, but ultimately what ends up happening is as Stacy says, it is, you know, kind of our ideal clients are the people that, you know, didn't have money one day and then all of a sudden they wake up the next day and they have it due to either retirement, death, you know, divorce or selling of a business. And then we, we, you know, we kind of walk hand in hand with folks putting those puzzle pieces together. Uh, you know, I do simplify a lot of it on when I talk, uh, you know, on the podcast, but it's a, it is a pretty rigorous, um, you know, process and we are looking at, you know, the investments in the portfolio, uh, and at Pinnacle, we manage all of that. So we make the decisions for our clients. Once we kind of have the idea of the, of the road they need to travel on, we make the decisions and, you know, really kind of, uh, what we, the only variable we really want to have at the end of the day is, um, you know, if the markets perform well during their lifetime, their kids are going to end up or their charities are going to end up with more. <clears throat> and if markets are, <clears throat> pardon me, if markets are, you know, are not great during their retirement years, then, you know, the kids or charities will, will get a little bit less. <clears throat> Pardon me. We'll get a little bit less. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's our ultimate goal is just trying to help folks have dignified retirements. And, you know, if, if that kind of describes folks that are listening right now, the best way to get in touch with us is call the office 601-957-0323, or you can look us up on the website uh, at www dot p i n n trust dot com uh then info or contact section you can uh you know send us a message and someone will get back to you we try to get back to folks within you know 24 to 48 hours sometimes uh our website will send uh send the emails uh, a little bit delayed but anyway that's kind of that's us in a nutshell reed how are you i'm doing great thank you guys for having me uh, so, I guess we're a couple of weeks away from Christmas. You guys have all your uh, have all your Christmas stuff done. Uh, well, <laughs> actually, yeah, actually, this year we do have most of our Christmas stuff done. We, uh, I, you know, I got tired of the uh, the the day before, the weekend before shopping over the prior year, so I kind of gave 
the budget back in November, we're kind of done. The only problem is, is that our kids are, um, may have figured some things out this year. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, Neil, I don't know that we've actually ever talked about this on the show. We might have, um, we, we used to have Christmas where it looked like, you know, the Christmas tree kind of threw up and there was junk all around the bottom of the tree. And, um, you know, we kind of came to the realization that, uh, a year later we would be cleaning out stuff from the kids' rooms and there would still be Christmas presents that had never even been taken out of their boxes. Um, so we, we do, uh, we do experiences with the kids. So, uh, those are done, but you know, the kind of small little Santa things, uh, we have not gotten yet. And we saw, I saw the kindergartner. So the big kids are in, in on the Santa stuff and it's a lot of fun, uh, with them because Gia's, it's, it's a, it's a fun time around our house right now. And we actually, Reed and I were talking before we started the, the show, um, we don't have the elf on the shelf stuff at our house. And Gia last night kind of just called me out on it. She's my kindergartner. And she was like, Dad, you know, why don't we have an elf? And I was like, Oh God, I'm getting Yeah, I was getting back to I was getting back. Dude, you know me, man. So if we if we had an elf, my ki- I think the thing with the elf is like the elf is supposed to move every night or every something night, like that. Yeah. I would totally fail at that. Yeah. See, my wife shoulders and, most of the responsibility for Christmas. I mean, she really. I say we've done it. She's done literally everything. everything. Yeah, uh, including this morning when I'm walking out the door, I see her like tucking the elves in her pocket to hide them again because she forgot last night. But she literally has done it all. See that. Jennifer and I, and and I love my wife dearly, and this is not a smack at her. Uh, we would both just fail miserably at the elf thing. Um, so the funny thing is, is Gia actually kind of bailed me out of it a little bit because, you know, I was like, you know, Santa just didn't didn't bring us an elf, and she's like, well, Santa brought an elf to my school, and I was like, you know, that's really the one that's the one that watches you, Gia, to make sure that you're doing good at school. <laughs> See, I, I, we don't have one elf; we have two. Elves. Oh my gosh! Yeah. you guys are overachievers. Well, I mean, you know, I think a few years ago they asked Santa for a, a friend elf and, you know, Ernie. I can't even remember the other one's name. Dude, and so if if we had an elf, I would be that totally inappropriate dad yeah, that would have, like, the elf in the bathtub with all the naked Barbies that sit around our house because Gia strips all the clothes off of I would be I would be a totally inappropriate elf. The, yeah. Is this where we change the subject? This probably is. Yeah, so so before we move <laughs> off of Christmas, I have a really funny story to tell. We you know, I have a sixth grade daughter, a fourth grade son, and a first grade daughter. The first grade daughter is absolutely just magic Christmas. Yeah, that's, I mean, just, her and G are the same age. Um, yeah. it's so much fun to watch. Yep. My sixth grade daughter figured out a couple years ago and she's looking at me like, What are you getting me? Right. Figured out what? Figured out Santa. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you. So, my fourth grade son, he's a smart kid, and we've kind of been looking around at each other the past few years going, I mean, surely he's going to figure this out pretty soon. And he is, so like, <laughs> checking where the L's are. I mean, he's he's all in. Well, Sunday night, we're sitting around, and, and my wife, you know, of course, because she does it all, says, let's watch a Christmas movie, you know, in the day, as a family. Well, what better Christmas movie to watch than Santa Claus? You know, the old Tim Allen Tim story Allen. where oh, 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 Santa oh, Claus oh. falls off the roof, Tim Allen finds him on the ground, puts the suit on, he becomes Santa Claus, right? Well, I don't know if you remember, but the entire next year is basically Tim Allen's ex-wife and her current husband 
explaining to the child and calling Tim Allen crazy for continuing this this imaginative thought that Tim Allen is in Santa Claus, yep. And how unrealistic it is and how impossible it would be. Because oh, the ex-husband's like a psychologist or yeah, something, right? right? Oh, man, I remember. And so the entire movie is them discrediting Santa Claus. Well, I watch it, don't think anything about it. We go to sleep and wake up. I get a call at 4 o'clock on Monday afternoon from my wife, and she says, well, we're going to figure out there's no Santa Claus. And I just kind of laughed, and I came home and asked my son. I said, so what's up with you and Santa Claus? And he says, well, I just kind of, I mean, it just kind of just didn't seem realistic. And I said, kind of walk me through this. And he basically said that the movie Santa Claus proved to him that there is no Santa Claus, which really, I mean. And she's wrong. Yeah. I mean, Santa exists. Santa does exist. I still get I, Santa I actually guess. had to, to walk him through the fact that the, the spirit of Santa Claus is real. I mean, that's. That's how my grandmother did it for me. Yeah. So we don't have listeners under the age of nine, do we? Yes. Do we? Yes. So, <laughs> so I, we have a we have an elf, but it's not an elf on the shelf. We've had this for years since the kids were little. Um, we have our own personal elf lives at the North Pole. Nice, and, dude. So you guys like it's like concierge service, right? Yeah, he, he sends he'll send. He used to when they were little. He'd send some notes throughout the year, sort of reminding them of of their need to have good behavior oh, that's brilliant and uh and uh usually usually about a week before christmas or so he'll make the trip down in his personal sleigh and he'll wait till the he would wait till the kids were all in a spot where they couldn't be looking out the windows or the doors and and he would leave a gift at the front door and ring the doorbell 15 20 times and then before the kids could get downstairs to uh to to see him he was off in the uh off in his sleigh, headed back to the North Pole to get back he's, to the final, final of stages of work. And, uh, yeah, so we have our own elf. And, and uh, I, mean, I don't know what the heck you guys are talking about, man. I, I mean, I'm all I can say is once you get on the naughty list, it's hard to get off that thing. And, and yeah, you know, I think I've been there my, most of my life. It sounds like both of you might be on the naughty list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we move on to financial markets, there's no, I think we're going to spend a little more time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, so, my sixth grade daughter, who is just like me, has a uh, has a kind of funky sense of humor, kind of like, yeah, you know, like uh, we do. Yeah, and so my first grade daughter leaves notes to the elves like can we get this or yeah the, her big kind of theme this christmas has been we really want a puppy our 12 year old jack russell died a few weeks few months ago we said we'll get another puppy at some point but we're kind of waiting and she's been asking leaving notes can we get a puppy and i and my wife and i have been kind of explaining to her that it's a process and we will, but we're not quite ready. Well, she left a note to the elves. Can we get a puppy check? Yes or no? And my sixth grade daughter naturally checks yes. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Uh, so we're in a bit of a predicament. Oh yeah, you are. Oh yeah, you are. You're gonna crush her if there's not a puppy. Yep, yeah. that's gonna be a that's gonna be a fun one to well, navigate. Any advice besides punishing my sixth grade daughter? <laughs> um, yeah, you, you're gonna have to go get a puppy. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a puppy, dude. Right? Yeah, and, and Revere backed you guys into a corner that you're not getting out of. I mean, speaking of financial markets, if you, I mean, if you really think about, I don't know how Santa's done all of his investing and stuff over the years, but to create a system where year after year after year they make all of these toys and give them out all over the world, he it must have. There must be one heck of a kind of a revenue stream that he has created. Something. Yeah, it's amazing. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, <clears throat> really, quite frankly, the people at Pinnacle Trust should go to the North Pole and, and study it a little bit, figure it out. That would be a that'd be a fun excursion. Yeah. That'd be a fun excursion. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure what it is though is that all of the retailers like Targets and the old Toys R Us and old Sears, they probably did a revenue sharing deal with Santa. Um, you know, where they they support his, um, you know, wood shop and workshops and. And his uh, research and development stuff to help you know to help him not have to get a, a real job you know the other 364 days of the year. So you know that's that's my best guess is it's either that or he's not real. I mean, uh... well, you know, or maybe the, maybe he gets maybe he's on government you know assistance too. That's so because he brings cheer to all of the families and children. You know, and kind of talking about Santa Claus and and the markets too. Usually, this time of year as well, markets are are, are reasonably good. Minus last year, um, last year was was really kind of a punch in the gut to you know to investors. But they, but they they really do call December um, for the most part. It's usually called you know the Santa Claus rally because markets tend to perform well, and that's mostly based off of like emotions and people are just in good moods and they're not as, you know, worried about, you know, risk or negativity in, in the month of December. And it generally tends to be, you know, a pretty good month. Um, you know, so far this year, we've had a reasonably good year, man. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, this is actually, you know, 2017 was somewhat of an anomaly as well, but this 2019 where you have, you know, equity markets in the positive 20. What is equity markets for our listeners? 20. That means stocks, stocks for our listeners. You know, call it, call it low 20 percentiles up this year. Um, international European markets up mid-teens. I mean, it's it's been a really good year. But the, but the, the more, the, the rare thing that has happened this year in markets is that, you know, bonds are up. Yeah, well. almost double digits. Right. And in some case, in the high yield bonds or, or quote unquote junk bonds, you are up double digits. Yeah. So in the last three years, if you kind of step back, we've had 2017 where stocks and bonds did exceptionally well. Yep. 2018, cash was the best performing asset. 2019, stocks and bonds had better years again. So yeah. And it, but in 18, I mean, 18 was a really good year all the way through until really kind of. November. Uh, yeah, so, if you if we'd have if you would have been talking to us in October in last year in 2018, saying how is the year going to end, we would said we would have said we're going to end strong. We have a you know a really good year. Sure, and and most of that was kind of derailed by the the tariff and trade talks, and people got nervous about that, and and that's you know rightfully so. It is it is a really big deal, but you know I think generally speaking, when we talk about the markets and all. We've had a really good three, four-year cycle in markets. I mean, ever since the, the election in 2016, um, 2017 was obviously a great year. The, the corporate tax cuts really helped. I, I really do like to say, and it's probably a bit of an exaggeration, but I really do like to say that the 2017 corporate tax reform saved the markets. Sure. I, I don't know that it – I mean, there's obviously wide debate as to the true benefit to the consumer and how it's actually impacted – you know, blah blah blah, but but in but in all reality, you know, we were in a market in 2017 that was overvalued. I mean, we were 10 to 20 percent overvalued um, from from historical numbers. No matter how you looked at it, no matter which metric you used, the corporate tax reform showed up. 
you know, they cut the tax rate from 35 to 21. Corporate profits jumped. Yeah, it leveled the playing field for the U.S. versus kind of the rest of the world. That's right. And the market at that point, it caught up. And, and when I say caught up, what I mean is that the valuations, fair value caught up to what it was trading at. In other words, we didn't need a correction to be considered, you know, trading at fair value. And then all of a sudden we've had you know, positive GDP. The consumer's pretty healthy. Um, people feel pretty good yeah i mean we had a fantastic november jobs numbers i mean what they say the best in 50 years um i mean so like all those things are are really good indicators um you know for the health of our economy and and, you know and there is a global kind of slowdown but it looks like the u.s is really kind of resilient through is kind of just shrugging off you know this global slowdown and i knew i think when we chatted Maybe, it may have been two, three shows ago. We were kind of, I use the analogy of, you know, when I'm driving my truck in Texas and the, the speed limit is 75 miles an hour, I'm generally about, you know, seven, eight miles an hour over the speed limit. So I'm cruising at, you know, 82, 83. Um, but then when you hit Louisiana and Mississippi, you know, the speed limit drops to 70 miles an hour. And so, you know, you slow down your rate of movement or the speed that you're traveling, but that doesn't mean that you, stopped or went in reverse or anything like that you kept moving forward maybe just a you know a little bit slower pace and is the speed limit 75 in texas yeah on the highways dude everything's better in texas you know that (laughs) well hold that thought because there is uh there there are some developments in our in our country today as we take this on tuesday morning that i know a lot of people are out there wondering so what will that mean for me and so on the other side of this, I'll ask you, we'll talk about those developments, and I'll ask you what that means for the the, the common consumer, if you will. Uh, before we do that, let me tell you that Mind on My Money podcast is also brought to you by the refrigeration company, TRC, owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years, including five as a national service manager. At TRC, they understand that great service means being responsive, and they're highly trained, responsible, and dedicated staff are available 24-7 to ensure your complete satisfaction. They specialize in ammonia refrigeration, but they work on any other HFC, HCFC, or CO2 systems. They're building winning relationships with customers in baking, cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy processing, food, poultry, and catfish processing as well. They're based in Spanish Fort, Alabama, but they're licensed in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina, and they can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration analysis, and more. To learn more, call Jeremy Watler, 251-348-8533, or email him at jeremy at com. Follow him at uh, TRC, follow TRC uh, at the Refrigeration Company on Facebook or at their website, therefrigco.com. We're also brought to you by Elite Dental Care with offices throughout West Tennessee in Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton. They've got five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience. And with their different areas of expertise, the doctors at Elite Dental Care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. In addition, Elite Dental Care is a family practice, so the entire family can be seen no matter age or severity of problems. Elite Dental Care focuses on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, dent 
digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays, and more. They offer both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients. And uh, what they do is they're able to do a lot of the work in one visit, so it ultimately saves the patient time and money. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, call Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. To reach the doctors at Elite Dental Care, go to EliteDentalCare.com or follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. So, guys, let me pull it up here. The, uh, the news that I am referencing... Uh-oh. On Tuesday morning, as we tape this uh, earlier today, House Democrats announced two articles of impeachment Tuesday against President Donald Trump, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, pushing toward historic votes over charges that he threatened the integrity of the U.S. system, election system, I should say, and endangered national security in his dealings with Ukraine. Voting is expected in a matter of days in the Judi- Judiciary Committee and by Christmas in the full house what will uh what will this mean uh, by the way just to, to be uh to be completely fair <coughs> both sides trump swiftly responded in a capital letters tweet with the words he uses repeatedly to decry the investigations against him which hunt the tweet said the white house said the charges were baseless and his re-election campaign called them rank partisanship i know everyone is is growing tired of this story frankly uh, i think that's the the even if you're no matter which side of it you are you are on but now that we're here and it looks like there will be an impeachment vote next week as we get closer and closer to christmas how do you uh how do you see this impacting the markets if at all yeah i think uh well let's i'll talk i'll take the the politics out of it first and um you know, I think it's it's a bit of a, a little bit of a distraction. Uh, the markets have kind of really seemed to uh, not not really take uh, any any hits on the information yet. Because what I think what I think this is my personal opinion is going to end up happening is, you know, in the House it'll go to vote. They'll vote for impeachment in the House. January it'll go to the Senate. And if you know if you've read if you've read uh, a lot of the senators on both sides opinions about if it lives or dies in the Senate. Um, most of them are saying that it dies in the Senate. Um, you know, is it, is it a distraction for, you know, the U S consumer? I don't, I don't really know that I've seen much evidence that the U S consumer has really stopped long enough to pay attention to go, you know, should I do anything or should I make any adjustments? Now, you know, if, if he's committed high crimes, is that something that you know that the American public should be concerned about? I mean, I would say yes. You know, we American public should be concerned if we have a you know a sitting president that's that's committed high crimes. Um, but the thing that I don't know is, you know, there's they're both shooting holes in both of the stories. So, you know, there's kind of like his side, her side, and then the truth lies somewhere. I think you know in the middle. Um, I'm not totally convinced that either side um, has a has a real strong case uh, in either way. It's it's really kind of been, you know, it's one just kind of one punch to the next punch, uh, and we'll end up kind of seeing how it all shakes out. But you know, it's kind of there's 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 some things that the Republicans that have done that I've looked at and I've gone, man, you know, I would have probably handled things a different way. You know, let let 
let uh, staffers be interviewed by the Judiciary Committee if you don't have anything to hide. And then there's things that the Democrats have done that I'm kind of like, gosh, you know, uh, I wouldn't go hold closed-door meetings and, you know, and not allow uh, your Republican counterparts to be a part of them because it just – whether it is or isn't happening, it seems like, you know, they've got something that they're trying to hide. Um, so both sides, I think, are are are, are guilty of, uh, or have like a, a little bit of a guilty disposition. That's just my opinion. But, you know, I think he does get uh, uh, impeachment in the House. I think it dies in the Senate. And the crazy thing is, is the longer this drags on, I think it really hurts the Democrats the most for the 2020 election because you got to think so Kamala Harris is gone right um, the newest a candidate that we have to the scene is Bloomberg he's uh, and I may be dated on this but I think he was skipping Iowa and New Hampshire which I have no idea how you win um, you know the Democrats uh, you know uh, candidate or position or to run as president if you if you don't win Iowa New Hampshire or don't show up in Iowa New Hampshire um, but anyway, I think that, you know, the longer that that uh, our congressmen and senators are having to stay tied in to, um, you know, this whole impeachment process, that's time they're not on the campaign trail. And if they're not on the campaign trail, I think that's a win for Trump. The other thing that I kind of think, and this is just my opinion, I'm just calling facts as I see them, it's not a bias towards, towards anyone, but they're kind of in a catch-22 situation because, you know, if, if they're doing their job as senators and congressmen and they're, you know, and they're, they're present to, for the impeachment hearings and everything, then, then that's time away from the campaign. If they're not doing their job as senators and congressmen and congresswomen and they're on the campaign trail, like that kind of gives another image of, well, you're not doing the job that we actually hired you to do in the first place. So it's kind of almost a catch in my opinion a catch-22 situation for for the democrats here when it comes to the campaign piece um and i've read i've seen some stories that say you know the the, the potential of trump getting reelected in 2020 just continues to rise and that's intriguing to me because it's like here we go again it's like they're trying the the political process um you know our quote-unquote the washington insiders whether it's republican or democrat you know, have thrown another punch at Trump and he just seems to like dodge them or either have like Vaseline or something on his face where it just gleams right off of him. Um, you know, and, and I think that Trump gets reelected and I'll let Reed talk, you know, a little more detail about this. Trump gets reelected, you know, markets kind of, even though he's the, you know, the wild card and it's unexpected, I think markets probably, you know, continue to, to do well. Um, you know, for the next several years, uh, I think the Chinese will end up having to come back to the table and and really do some uh, some negotiating on on uh, trade issues. Uh, and if he's not reelected, I mean, that's an open door for China. And I don't I don't know that the Democrats would per se, you know, back down on trying to get some fairness with trade relationships with China. But you know, Trump just kind of has this air of I don't care, I don't play politics. Uh, you know, I'm just going to do what I think is the right thing. And I don't care if you say that that's politically correct or not politically correct, because he doesn't seem to care about political correctness at all. I know I've, I've talked a ton and right. I'm going to let Reed spot on. I mean, jump I, in. I do think, and we kind of touched on it earlier, Neil, you know, you, you, 
the typical things that cause major market corrections, you know, there, there's a distortion in, in fair value and what, what the market's trading at. We're not there, in our opinion. Um, the consumer fails. We're not there. Consumer savings rate are as high as they've been since the 1980s. Yep. Um, the financial sector fails. C 2008. Uh, we're not there at all. The deregulation, or excuse me, the regulation has actually tipped it um, to the point where we probably are too conservative in the financial sector. Um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of look at the repo market. Just all the disruption in the repo market, which I know we just used a term that most people aren't going to understand, but that has to do with a lot of the regulations that came out of 2008. The banks have plenty of liquidity that they would want to put in, or money they would want to put in the system, but the regulations will not allow that to happen. So you've had a little bit of dislocation in an area of bonds that's called repos, which most people will not know or care about that term. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it put really simple when you talk about the U.S. economy. People that want a job have a job, and they're probably making more money than they did a few years ago. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that simple. And so when they do, you know, the economy's, it, it runs a little bit. And so when you look at the next year, when you look at the next 12 months, or, or whether you look at 12 months or the next 48 months, uh, you know, unless something kind of derails that, that path, we feel pretty good about you know, U.S. markets. I mean, and not to mention the interest rates are so low that there's really no else to put your money but into the stock market. And so we, we feel like we have a pretty decent path to success. Now, the one thing that can obviously change all of that and the biggest risk we see in the market at this point is just politics in general. Um, whether it's the impeachment, I don't think he gets impeached, but whether it's the impeachment process, whether it's something else that we don't know about yet. I mean, right. you think about where we are now, think six months ago, what I mean, there's no teller that could come up in politics in the next six months before the election. So whether something comes up that we didn't know about, whether it's the, the current impeachment process, um, whether it's just the election in general, I mean, you know, when we think about what could happen, what could happen, you know, kind of the worst case scenario for markets, and, I, and I'm not going to get into whether you're Republican or Democrat, but, but worst case scenario for markets in the short term is that you see uh, the, the Senate overturned by Democrats, you see that um, Trump gets outed for whatever reason, and they kind of roll back the corporate tax plan, or, or, or some of the other um, moves that the, the conservatives made back in 2016-17, and so at that point, you would see corporate taxes jump back up, you would see the, the market repriced, and you would see some short-term chaos, and uh, I'm not saying that that's not better or worse for the economy or the markets 10 years out from now, but it would cause some short-term duress. Sure. You know, I think, Neil, one of the things that, I think it was you that was saying it uh, the last time when it was just you and I talking about politics was, I think I think the, you know, the typical American will probably, you know, at least go to the polls and ask themselves the question of, you know, am I better off today than I was four years ago? And, I, and Neil, I think you're the one that brought that up um, I think this the last is, time we talked. I think this is where the national media gets this all wrong. I've, I've said this for a long time. I'm convinced of it. I know people in the national media. I know people who work in the White House. I'm, I'm, this is not me just talking out of my, uh, you know, this is, this is instead 
the, the national media are people. They're, they're, they're no different than, than you guys or us. They typically live in one of two areas. They live in the, in the D.C. to New York corridor, or they live in uh, Los Angeles. Oh, right, yep. And so they all live, they all socialize with one another. They, uh, their, their wives and husbands and stuff know each other. Their kids do birthday parties together. They, they, they do, they're normal people just like us. And so they all live in an echo chamber of sorts. And where they live in Washington, this Ukraine story is a really big deal. It's a big story. They break it down. They talk about it. And they say the following thing over and over to each other. I can't believe there's not more of a national outcry about this. And it's because they don't understand that that family of 4.2 in Wisconsin is figuring out how to, uh, how, to, how to balance the budget, how to get ready for Christmas, how to get the money saved up so that they might be able to take little Joey and little Jenny to Disney World, uh, how they're going to be able to save up their money to go on that uh, beach trip or that cruise that they've always talked about doing. They're also saving up because one day uh, Joey wants to go to the University of Wisconsin, and so does Jenny, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to save up for college to do all that. And the truth is they couldn't find Ukraine on a map, nor do they care. Yeah, or another capital of Ukraine. And so as long as that's the deal, as long as this isn't a story that starts to impact people in America where you lose your your faith in the particular uh, person and your faith in the system, as long as that's the case, eh. the last time this happened, you know, where it really, uh, the last two times it happened, if you go back and you go to to Watergate and then Bill Clinton's, let's, let's look at those two situations kind of a little bit. If you look at Watergate, what you found was that the Republicans broke into the Democratic National Headquarters and they stole some stuff and the president lied about it. And then the president tried to actively cover it up. So people lost faith in the president. It became obvious that not only was he going to be impeached, but that he was likely going to be convicted in the Senate. And so he stepped down. Then you had Bill Clinton, where Bill Clinton lied about indiscretions, but at the end of the day, what Bill Clinton really did was personal. And people said, how does that affect me? How does it, okay, he, he, he cheated on his wife, but he didn't cheat on me. It's not affecting my bottom line. It's not affecting my pocketbook. I really, I might not find it all that uh, palatable that he had a, a sexual relationship with a 20-some-odd-year-old intern, but she's complicit. She was an adult. And at the end of the day, it didn't affect me and he got impeached. He wasn't. He did not get convicted in the Senate, and the American public, frankly, rebelled against the Republicans for putting everyone through all of that. And I wonder yep. if this is going to be a repeat of of uh, Clinton Lewinsky more than it's going to be a repeat of Watergate. Because I I think your guys are right. He's going to be impeached. He's going to be acquitted in the Senate. And I think a lot of people are going to say, "What was this about, really?" Sure. And then, Neil, you also think about time of year um, that this is taking place. And, you know, this this uh, this time of year, people are mostly kind of, you know, really ramped up thinking about family and they're happy and, you know, they're getting some days off of work and it's a time to relax and, you know, and have a little bit of gratitude. 
and it's a lot of negativity surrounded it. And, you know, I know in my house, except minus my mom, because my mom is just so plugged into what everything happens politically. Um, you know, we're not even talking about it. And I feel like I'm pretty connected to, uh, you know, to what's going on in the world. But, you know, like my wife doesn't ask me, hey, have you seen the updates of, you know, that's not, it's not even a conversation. We're talking about, you know, hey, Bella has her Christmas program tonight. You know, Christopher's got a soccer game and, you know, Gia's got to do all this. We're just going, it's, it's, you're right, it's not impacting our lives enough to where it's distracting us from our day-to-day activities going, hey, we should really pay attention to, to what's going on. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's a story that resonates. There's there's no denial of it really. There's a there's a there's a difference in interpretation, obviously. Sure. It's divided on political lines. Uh Watergate was not divided on political lines. In fact, the Republicans finally went to the White House and said, Hey, Mr. President, yep. this isn't gonna work. We didn't get that in, in Lewinsky thing. I think, in fact, a lot of Republicans at the end were like, man, this is, I'm not voting for this. This is, this is political suicide. And I, I wonder if what the Democrats are going to do is set up a backlash. I, I, I just think, I have this theory, and I see it all the time. Number one, Americans are so busy. Number two, there are so many outlets to get our attention. And number three, the news cycle moves so fast. You go back and look at, I listened to a podcast about Watergate. It absolutely captivated the country. People watched the uh, Senate hearings all day, the House hearings, I should say, all day, every day, and then broke it down that night on the on the evening news. news yep. And then they waited for the ten o'clock evening news, and then that's that's what people talked about. Now, the news cycle is so fast. I mean, so incredibly fast. I'm dealing with it right now, for example. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example of the speed of the news cycle. So Ole Miss hires Lane Kiffin on Friday night, basically. He coaches a game on Saturday. He gets in a plane, and he gets to, to Oxford after dark on Sunday. I'm taping this on Tuesday morning. He's been the, jo- the head coach for 36 hours, and I have subscribers. And I understand it because they live in this news cycle saying, so who's on his staff? What's going on with recruiting? And it's like, guys, he's been the head coach in Oxford for one night. One, one night. He hasn't been here a week. He's been the head coach in Oxford for about 36 hours as we tape this. It's okay. Was his staff's not done? Oh my God, I'm 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 underwhelmed. You're 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 underwhelmed. And then it's what about recruiting? There's no news. It's been one day. And so that's that's my point. So this. I think what happens is these impeachment proceedings begin, and it's Christmas time, and people are like, "Man, I'm going to my Christmas party. I got, I got, yeah. to, I got yeah. to get, the, I got to finish getting the toys for little Jenny and and, and little Joey, and we got to get that done. And then we're going off to Grandma's house for Christmas, and we're going to come back, and then we got to get ready for New Year's, and then the New Year's is over. All right, now uh, little Jenny's back in her dance stuff, and and little little Joey's got. Uh, youth league basketball going on and before you know it little joey's going to be playing uh baseball and t-ball and and little jenny's going to play softball for the the bumblebee team and we don't have time for this and before you know it it's like oh they they acquitted him okay cool next what was that all about and i just i just don't think i'm not and i'm not i don't mean that coming from a republican standpoint or a democratic standpoint at all i just i just think that that this story 
as is evidenced by the fact that no one talks about it outside of the national media, I don't think this story resonates. And, I, and therefore, and you guys know financial markets a gazillion times better than I do. I don't, I don't think this affects anything. Well, you know, the, the one tweet that Wall Street has actually figured out moves markets. It has nothing to do with the impeachment. It has nothing to do with him making fun of Nancy Pelosi. And, it, and literally none of those do anything to the markets. The only tweet topic that has has given actual credible market movement is related to China. When Trump talks about China, the markets move. When Trump talks about anything else, nobody cares. Period. Yeah, and, and, and I mean... I. Neil, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you, and I'm not trying to be on a, you know, on a hey, let's let's pat each other in the butts and have this group think thing. But I, you know, I remember is that when I was growing up, you know, the the Clinton um, proceedings were, you know, were on TV. But I also still don't remember my parents even getting, uh, you know, in a tizzy about it. And maybe they did behind closed doors. I don't know. Um, I don't. I remember it really didn't impact my life. Um, that much. And then, you know, so you fast forward to today and, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a house with a pretty much a single income. Uh, I have six people living in my house. I have, you know, three kids and three adults cause my mom lives at the house. So it's like, you know, the thing that I'm worried about day to day is, Hey, you know, do I have, have I got enough coming in where I'm paying my bills where, you know, I've got a little bit left over at the end of the month where, um, you know, I can save a little and then put a little back for, for recreation. And, uh, you know, and until and really until that changes drastically or significantly, man, I'm just trying to, to move forward. Now, my mother may be in a totally different situation, you know, no kids that she's responsible for, you know, in the house. And she may, and I'm sure she is, if we, if we brought her on as a guest to the, to this show, I, I bet you she, she could give the whole rights perspective because she's a, she's a diehard Republican, um, Fox News and Hallmark. Those are the only two channels that are on our, on her TV, uh, <laughs> you know, at our house. But the truth of the matter is, is, you know, I just, you know, I don't, not that I don't care, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm moving so many different directions with kids and other stuff that it's just not a. It's not a hot topic for me. And my wife and I don't lose sleep over it at night. We don't even talk about it. I don't even know if Jennifer cares, <laughs> but we don't talk about it. Yeah, I, I think you represent the majority. I, I don't think it's something that when people walk into the ballot box, it's going to do. If, if you told me that Trump lost the election, I would tell you it's one of two things. I would tell you that, that uh, the economy took some major kind of hit where people where jobs fell off and people started losing money. Uh, because that's what impacts every incumbent president who loses. And, uh, or I would tell you that he just absolutely lost his mind on Twitter to the point that, that people no longer question whether this was just a game, which I think a lot of people think he does a lot of things on Twitter to tweak people and to, to, yeah. to troll a little bit, for, to use the kids' language. Um, I, as of this moment, if you made me guess, and my brother and I had this conversation at Thanksgiving, he completely disagrees. He lives in Houston, and he says, "No, he's going to lose. I, I think he's going to win re-election, and and probably, probably fairly handedly in the in the electoral college. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I'm one of those people that that typically leans to the right, but I don't like his I don't like his bombastic style. I don't find it to be particularly presidential. I don't find it to be a a, a, a 
I don't find it to be the, the type of role model that I like. I, I don't I don't care for it, and so therefore I find uh, a lot of what he does with his language and stuff to be distasteful. And yet, if I'm honest, I look at my business and I can see that it's growing. I can look at the economy and it appears to be uh, it appears to be very healthy. And and I look at that and I think I'd rather keep the bad Twitter feed and keep the economy the way it is than maybe to clean up a Twitter feed and, and risk the financial futures. So, and I, I have to, I typically find that for whatever reason, and maybe this is a, a very bad reflection of the country. I, I typically find that I sort of represent a majority. I hear a lot of, I end up finding out that a lot of people think a lot like I do. Yeah. <clears throat> Middle America, I think certainly, sees things a lot different than, or I'm going to say just your typical middle America sees, sees things a lot different than, you know, the folks that are on the coasts. Um, and I think you're right. The dinner conversations are different. The crowd of people that we kind of socialize with and, you know, do life with are just, are just different. And, you know, and call that the separation of, you know, quote unquote, blue collar America versus quote unquote, white collar America. And I'm not, uh, you know, saying that that's done by, you know, by uh, economics separation, but I'm just saying, you know, the cultural values of middle America seem to just be, you know, a little bit different than, than uh, the folks on the coast. And, and, and I, and I'm not hearing anything from, you know, from my friends that sounds much different than, than what we've been talking about. Uh, You know, most of the times when my friends ask me questions, they're like, Hey, you know, I got, I've got, I'm getting a raise at the end of the year. What do I need to do with my 401k? You know, how should I put more into the 401k? Should I be more aggressive? Should I be less aggressive? Those are the questions that they're, that they're asking me. They're not even asking, you know, like, Hey, what's going on with uh, politics and how's it going to impact the markets? Uh, it's, it's just something that they shrug off, you know, and, and I've got buddies that, and even in my situation, in my house too, where four years ago looked different for us than it does today where we do have the opportunity to put a little bit more back in savings. You know, we can do a start a college savings plan, um, you know, for our kids. And that's, you know, I think you're, you were right circling back all the way to where we started with this. I think when a lot of people go in to, you know, to pull the lever in the polls or, you know, punch the button in the polls that a lot of folks are going to go, Hey, is, is my life better or worse than it was four years ago? And if it's not significantly worse, I, I just see it. I see it's really going to be real difficult for, um, you know, for the Democrats to win this election. But, you know, I mean, if it's not different, too, I think that that bodes well for markets. Uh, you know, markets do kind of thrive on predictability. And I know that's kind of a oxymoron saying predictability and Trump in the same uh, in the same breath. But, you know, at least we kind of are starting to realize that he is kind of the known unknown versus the unknown unknown. If we can kind of talk in the words of Donald Donald Rumsfeld, it's why I think um, it's why I think uh, Barack Obama's advice to the Democrats not so long ago was spot on. Uh, it, it, he's whatever you think of Obama, he's a brilliant politician. He understands uh, understands how to win a national election. He did it twice, and uh, I think when when you listen to him. He makes a lot of sense, and quite frankly, the Democrats refused to listen to him when he said, hey, you got to be careful with going too far because most of America doesn't want to tear it up. Most of America wants to tweak it, and most of America wants to change it some, but very little of America wants to just blow it up. 
And yeah. that is that is sage advice. Whether you like Barack Obama or dislike Barack Obama, you, there is no denying that that is strong political advice that right now that is a party that doesn't seem to be taking it. I don't disagree. Before we wrap up, let me tell you that we're also brought to you by Lentz and Little. Uh, Lentz and Little is a veteran-owned Mississippi firm that serves the entire state for business advice and commercial litigation from Oxford to Gulfport and everywhere in between. Whether you're having trouble paying your debts or someone isn't paying you what you're owed, Lentz and Little can quickly advise you of your best course of action. They have more than 60 years of collective experience representing banks, businesses, and individuals in defaulted loan workouts, collections, repossessions, foreclosures, and bankruptcies. Lentz and Little offers creative solutions to financial problems, has the versatility you need regardless of whether you need help with general business advice, issues with payment or taxes, uh, payment of taxes, I should say, or representation in state, federal, or bankruptcy court. Lentz and Little can help you arrange finances and assets Limit your exposure and protect you and your family should financial disaster strike. If you're in need of uh, legal advice or assistance with your financial situation, call Jarrett Little at 228-867-6050. Visit their website at lentzlittle.com. That's L-E-N-T-Z little.com or email Jarrett, J-A-R-R-E-T-T at lentzlittle.com. Your initial consultation by phone or in person is free of charge. You know, Neil, I think it would be good to have Jarrett on here sometime, too, because um, some of the stuff, and I, I, I got the opportunity to chat with him a little bit last week, and, um, you know, we were, we were just talking about, you know, personal stuff, business stuff, things that they do, um, you know, kind of helping with creative solutions, and, you know, I know that a lot of people may go, oh, man, I go see these guys if I'm already, you know, too far down the road and I need them to help me get out of something, but I think he had a lot of really sage if i can use your word advice for you know things you can do to protect either whether you're a business owner or it's personal to to protect yourself from getting in situations of uh of where you need an out like a bankruptcy and then like the different types of bankruptcy twos because that's that can get really confusing for folks um if for nothing else maybe nothing more than an educational standpoint so it'd be good to have him on sometime to, All right, I'll, to kind of talk that through i'll reach out to him uh, i'll reach out to him next week that's uh That'll be we take that on the with the seventeenth. That'd be that'd be about perfect. It'll be a really well, uplifting Christmassy kind of. Uh, well, we actually have we've got Tiffany Bob's oh. scheduled for next week. She's going to come talk wine. Oh, that's even um, better so, before the holiday. So let's maybe let's get him. I, and I'm sure because of way Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve falls, I'm sure we're going to probably just pause for Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve for for this show or unless you have a different idea no i have the, uh, the best idea is that when we tape with tiffany i'll be pouring wine at the same time fantastic That's a good idea. so maybe we should make maybe you should come to well you're too busy to come to jackson <laughs> maybe we come to oxford and y'all can pour or we'll just y'all can pour wine and we'll talk yeah. we don't have to get complicated We'll have to, we'll, we'll figure something out. All right, well, and we might, so maybe what we ought to do next week is we ought to tape a little later on a Tuesday. Maybe tape after work. Yeah, let me let me ask Tiffany if she's available because, you know, her work starts when yeah. our work is ending. Look, so. look, this is my world. You're living in it. Let's just figure it out. Okay? <laughs> That's fine. We'll, we'll figure something out. We'll I'm just, I'm a squirrel in your world trying to find the nuts. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, Reed, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, Merry Christmas Thank and happy guys. holidays to you. 
Same to you. Same to you guys. For uh, Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Mind on My Money podcast. We'll be back next week where we will talk to Tiffany Bobs. We'll talk about wine and um, God only knows what else here on this show. Until then, take care.